We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. Welcome to the Pack a Day Podcast. This is a uh, final episode of sorts for us for a little while. We are we are breaking up the band here for a short period. Well, by breaking up the band, I just mean I got reassigned. So I will be uh, on your Wednesday shows moving forward uh, with Brennan Rupp and Owen Reese and Morley and Ross get to stay together because I guess they don't care if I'm here or not. So that's fine. Uh, we'll kind of work that way. I'm joined by the aforementioned Jacob Morley and Ross Uglum, and we're just going to get right down to it. Last week, Mr. Morley, you talked about in the Green Bay Draft Guide, uh, the receivers that on last year's draft that fit uh, Packers thresholds. And you said, what, four of them are current? I think there were like five total and four of them are on Green Bay's roster or something ridiculous like that at this point. The question I have for you to start when it comes to, one, where can I purchase said draft guide and how much does it cost? Number two, my next question would be, um, are there any other examples like the receivers that you just talked about? Yeah, I mean, on this show, I said four, and then three of them are Packers. But I went back and looked, and lo and behold, Samari Toure hit every threshold for the Packers. And he, uh, you know, he was a later round guy, so he just kind of slipped through the cracks for me. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was a threshold guy as well. Um, again, if you want to check that out, it's it's really great. You know, there's the Packers people top three hundred is is the list that I'm referring to. You know, that we went through. Uh, every position that the Packers have either drafted since Ted Thompson or played since Matt LaFleur. 
and it's just kind of a hodgepodge of who they either drafted or played. And then you break down what are some physical characteristics that they have all in common. Um, there's some product productivity scores in there as well. And it basically makes a list for each and every single position. Wide receiver has been a very high hit rate with that uh, the last couple of years. Um, but there are other positions. And another position that you go back and look at the uh, the 2000. 19 draft was that the Rashawn Gary one that's Rashawn Gary right 2019 um, where you look at edge rushers for the Packers and what they have traditionally liked and we'll get into this in a second guys because I think there may be a little bit of a shift at what they like at the edge position Uh, but you look at the metrics for the edge rushers and Rashawn Gary looking back at that draft class hit every single one of them he was the only one in that entire draft class that hit every single threshold um, that they typically have played, that they have liked to draft, um, all that kind of stuff. So uh, there are other predictive things in this draft class. Another one is the running back position. It's super easy to predict what the Packers like. Um, I feel really confident uh, in who uh, may be on their shortlist. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the running back position and how you just draft one if they're good. Um, and that's true to an extent, but there are certain athletic measurables that I think are predictive in what um, in what creates success for those guys. So again, you know, please go buy one of those. It's eight ninety nine right now, super cheap. Cup of coffee, uh, burrito, you know, at Chipotle is more than that. So uh, go get yourself one. I know Jacob works on it, Ross works on it, so it's a, it's a collection of people um, that you probably follow, uh, uh, anyways. And so go ahead, pick that up. You can pick it up if you just Google search Gumroad dot Green Bay Draft Guide. It'll pop right up. It's a 2023 draft guide powered by Packer Report. Uh, go to any one of our Facebook page or not Facebook, our Twitter pages, and uh, it's our pin tweet. Click on the link, get yourself one for eight ninety nine. It goes up to ten bucks. Uh, when it comes out on April 10th. But yeah, uh, it is something that every single Packers fan needs in their arsenal come draft weekend. So there you go. There you have that. There's a bunch of different examples of stuff like that. Like I said, over 225 profiles on players and it's uh, catered to the Green Bay Packers. So that's that's the other big part for this. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers, guys, I want to jump in here. It's the owners meetings this week. I'm talking about Brian Gutekunst and his media availability uh, was just a few minutes ago, I was wondering and worried that he wasn't going to talk uh, about anything today and then found out that he did. Uh, not only did he talk, it was not just straight general manager speak. Uh, so Gutekunst said, uh, obviously, you know, uh, Rogers had his conversation and said his side of the story on Pat McAfee's show a couple weeks ago. And Gutekunst essentially responded today saying that the the Packers, and this is a quote from Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, that he tried to contact Aaron Rodgers, quote, many times during the offseason to discuss how he fit in the Packers' future. And then the, the money quote here is, our inability to reach him or for him to respond in any way, I think at that point I had to do my job. He then went in to talk about how um, he discussed, you know, that a trade was a possibility, went through his represent Rodgers' representatives, and uh, tried to have those direct conversations that Roger said he wished they could have had uh, that is now resulting in in this trade or anything like that. And uh, Morley's giving me a, a signal of some sort. So there is uh, I mean, we're recording this right as this stuff is coming out. And, and there is a new quote that just dropped as well with Brian saying, quotes, certainly. Oh, I got it. Play- yeah. 
Yeah, okay. certainly whenever a player may have issues, you prefer that they talk to you directly and not do it in the media. <laughs> oh, shit. But, that, but that's oh, not I'm necessarily – But I'm not, sorry, I'm not even done, Jacob. Chill. <laughs> I know. Start, I'm sorry. Let me start over. <laughs> certainly whenever a player may have issues, you prefer they talk to you directly and not do it in the media. But that's not necessarily the way he goes about it. And that's okay, is what he said. And I mean, man, it, this is this is a guy that to me, it seems like Brian has probably been sitting on this for several years. Right. Where he's had to basically listen to him talk through the media, kind of air out their dirty laundry, true or not true, even um, and not really ever have a chance to give a rebuttal. And what it honestly reminds me of is I don't know if people know I'm so I'm a teacher. I, I work in public education. I coach. I do all this stuff. And what it reminds me of is as a teacher and as a coach, people can say whatever they want to you and you can't really respond to it. You just kind of have to be like, oh, OK, well, thank you. You know, thanks for your feedback. Wow. I didn't think of it that way. Like, thank you. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it that way while they're cussing you out and doing this stuff. And what this reminds me of is Brian basically just being like, F it. I don't work here anymore, even though he does. But, I, you know, one of the guys doesn't work here anymore. So I'm going to say what I've been wanting to say for the last couple of years. And he's still doing it in a classy way. He's not like going scorched earth, but anyone that has followed this saga the last several years can appreciate what he's saying right now. And I guess the last thing I'll say, and I'll kick it over to Ross is it's really interesting to me. And it almost seems like this, this quote, when he, when Goody is talking about going through the media, it seems layered too, because if you remember back to, when Aaron Rodgers had all of his family issues, whatever, like, you know, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, but one thing that Rodgers did say was those conversations should happen behind closed doors. And he had major issues with the fact that that stuff, you know, right or wrong, was brought to light via through the media and television. And so it is interesting to me that, Brian chose to say that because I think there are layers to it. Um, but Ross, who has been sitting there oh, patiently. I, I get to be on this podcast. Hell, Ross, how, how are you feeling today, man? How, what do you think about these quotes? Uh, you know, been a little bit in the dark. Had a, uh, I'm a coach as well. Had my team down in Arizona. I'm the head golf coach at a school in Fargo here. And been kind of off the grid for four days. I've uh, been kind of grinding in some real job stuff, trying to get, um, you know, back to square one. And yeah, these are interesting. Uh, boy, you you talk about leverage, you talk about the point of no return. It, we talked a little bit about the pre-show, like, boy, you know, Goody talking about all options being on the table. Could you imagine a world in which Aaron Rodgers is your starting quarterback? And I'm going to just tell you right now, no. I don't know how you could ever reconcile this marriage. Um, I, and I don't, I don't know that many people want to, I don't know that that's a priority really for anyone involved here, but um, any inkling of the thought of the Packers could just, you know, I don't know, trade Jordan love instead or force the jets hands by, you know, having Rogers uh, show up to camp in green Bay boy. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, you're right. Goody does have this air about him of, 
like whatever. This guy is the worst, and I'm just done with it. Yeah, I, I think that what we're gathering here is that the the reconciliation that we had talked about for the last year plus or so wasn't as reconciled as we thought it was. Like it almost feels like, hey, we stayed together because of the kids thing. Now the kids are off to college. We don't have to be together anymore. And here's kind of what I really think about you sort of thing. Uh, and uh, you know what? Um, for the last – and granted, I admittedly – am on the Packers side when it comes to these things more than I am Rogers side. I think Rogers has some legitimate gripes when he's talked over the last couple of years, but like Brian Gutekunst, this is a guy who made a draft pick, like just like Ted Thompson did years and years ago. And granted we can go down the rabbit hole of a bunch of different things that maybe should or shouldn't have happened since then. But Gutekunst since that has happened has had reports that the quarterback wanted him fired and whether that is, you know, whether that is true or not, that's been reported by more than one person that Rogers wanted Gutekunst fired. That is a very hefty demand by someone to make. I can imagine that would be a difficult thing to just kind of swallow your pride and say, move on. This is a guy who kind of has been called a moron in the media several times. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, a little bit. And I mean, basically, Rodgers has openly questioned Gutekunst's ability to do his job, and not just Gutekunst, the Packers in general, ability to do their job in the media several times over. And, you know, based on what we've talked about, I think he lied when he was on McAfee's show most recently. So that's that's the other part. And Gutekunst, like, if you're going to lie about me in public, then I think Gutekunst has a right and should fire back, quite frankly. And you know what? Like you said – there is no reconciliation on this. You know, we were joking before the show about that and just like, Hey, what happens if, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback. Like Ross just said, I don't think there's much desire to do that. Gutekun says like nothing's impossible basically, but he kind of has to say that because he's not going to go full Joe Douglas and just say like, no, this is who we want and kind of do what the jets have done throughout this course thing. Cause then you talk about trade leverage and everything like that. But the Packers, I mean, good for Gutekunst on, on those kinds of things. And and the Packers have taken a lot of heat over the last two or three years, and now he's leaving. And, and granted, here's the thing. The only way that people are going to end up siding with the Packers on this situation nationally is if Jordan Love is good. Because uh, otherwise, the, you know, this divorce is still going to be the same kind of talking points and conversations we had three years ago. How do you even let it get to this point? Uh, Morley, any other thoughts on just kind of what I just said? I think, you know, I think the national media to, you know, when you talk about a legend like Aaron Rodgers and, and make no mistake, that is what he is. He is an absolute legend, not only in Green Bay, but in, in the landscape of the NFL as a whole. For the national media to even suggest that he might be a lot to handle, I think is telling because you usually don't get that treatment at all. I mean, it, you know, when Tom Brady left, New England, it was the Tom Brady show 24-7. It was his decision. You know, New England was wrong, yada, yada, uh, with, you know, Denver and Peyton Manning and all that stuff. You know, that, was not, that wasn't as messy of a, of a divorce. But, man, it, you, you will hear people talk about, like, the Packers are just ready to move on from Aaron, and they should be because of everyone. And I think our, our pal Peter Bukowski had a, a really good quote in a really good segment 
uh, like a week ago. And he just said you had to be there. And I think that's where the national media misses the mark with people that have covered this team and follow this team for de- a decade plus is you had to be there and you have to kind of understand the, cum- the accumulation of, of everything and everything that has happened with this team. And for Brian to come out and say this stuff at this point, you know, cards are already on the table. You might as well, because if Jordan love sucks, he's getting fired. Like that's going to happen. And, uh, and if he is great, then dude, then go bigger, go home because there's no point, no reason to be bashful now because double down. And I think our, you know, our pal Tyler Dunn talks about this too. He's like, I'm, I'm so in on Jordan love. I can't be skittish now. And it, that's, that's kind of where you're at as a, that's where I'm at as someone that just watches him. The team, I'm sure, is that way, where it's like, man, this is it. He's either going to be good or he ain't. He's going to either either be good or we're gone. So, well, we talked about uh, that, and that's him. the thing. I, I give Gutekunst – and I don't like giving Brian Gutekunst a ton of credit all the time because I don't agree with everything he's done. Like, if, you know, I kind of agree with you morally that he's, quote, unquote, fine at his job. Um, that being said, I give him credit that, you know, after that report that Rodgers – wanted him fired Gutekunst could have said like okay we'll forget you I'm not doing this I give him credit that he was willing to I wrote it for Packer Report the day they after they picked Jordan Love it was basically like bold Brian Good I think the t- headline was bold Brian Gutekunst makes legacy pick very similar to the way Ted Thompson did with Aaron Rodgers it was Jordan Love he was willing and I do think he was I think he was willing to punt on that like if Aaron Rodgers played well this past season and the team did well Gutekun said in there too that like you know after the season obviously we had a disappointing season coming out of that you have conversations on what you want to do previously he said that the way the season has gone has changed the way they were thinking that's why they gave him kind of the extension they did I very strongly do not think and we can talk about the contract and why they structured it the way they did or whatever but I strongly think that the Packers didn't give him that contract and just say, okay, well, really, we're just doing this for one more year. And next year, no matter what happens, we're trading and we're moving on. Like, I I do not think that is a thing. What I do think I know based on all these things now is, yeah, Gutekunst, the organization, I think, and it'll be interesting to hear Matt LaFleur's comments tomorrow, but they are ready to move on. Uh, and I think, yeah, you've seen, and Gutekunst, in my opinion, has done a good job of, it's very clear based on these comments to me, at least that he harbors some grudges about the way things have gone over the last, you know, three or four years. And, and I understand that completely. Again, if you guys were, and, and I know this, you know, from, from my end of things, I hold grudges against you guys because you are behind my back all the time telling Andy how much I suck. And you wish that somebody else could go. And that's how I got moved to Tuesdays. And, and I understand that. So uh, it, it's just, it's, it's it. <laughs> we were hoping for an amicable divorce. And I don't know if that if there's such a thing on that. Cause I can promise you that Rogers is going to be asked about these comments by his buddy and he'll say something. And there's going to come a point where like, at some point, somebody's going to have to stop whatever's going on. Cause this could become a back and forth type of thing. Uh, and it's unfortunate that that's going to work the way that it is. Cause like you said, Aaron Rodgers is an all time great and you don't want to see it end like this, but it's rare that you have it end and have it go just, you know, kiss and say goodbye kind of thing too. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ross, any final thoughts on just this whole situation, starting from draft night, I guess when they picked Jordan Love is really when that pissed Rodgers off. But I mean the Schefter report, I guess, until what we're learning now. Yeah, it, it just seems like reading between the lines, or not even reading between the lines, that Rodgers was just never okay with that. And I think he used, you know, some of the, oh, I don't know, veteran buddies, you know, sitting Lang, guys that got let go, Cobb the first time around, things of that nature. I think he used some of that to air grievances that were really just about yeah. duty taking Jordan Love. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, not giving him T. Higgins or whatever other thing, you know, might have happened there to pair with Devontae Adams. And, um, you know, ultimately, I, I, I think it just – they got so close with the, the back-to-back NFC championship games that, um, you know, they just – everyone must have fooled themselves into thinking, well, all of this BS is worth it if we can win a championship. And then they didn't, and now it seems like they're not going to. You know, I mean, now you go eight and nine, you miss the playoffs, and it's like, okay, well, now we don't have to really – you kind of use the analogy, which I hate it because it was a Colin Cowherd bit, and he is the worst – um, but you know, staying together for the kids and now they don't have, to. is that a cowherd thing? Really? I'm so yep. sorry. I had no idea. Like I'm dead serious. Word for word. Word I for rescind- word. Okay. I rescinded that analogy then. I had, <laughs> I had no idea. I don't listen to cowherd. So I don't know. I know it all went, I'm it so went sorry. semi-viral or he, I don't know, whatever it ran across my feed that, that Rogers and the Packers were staying together for the kids. So when you started that analogy, I got really sad, but uh, no, in all seriousness, like they were staying together for a championship, I think. And I, I also think it was, you know, um, reasonable. I think this Eagles team ended up being a lot better than everybody thought, but 
you know, the Packers beat both Super Bowl participants last year, one of them in their house as far as beating the Rams, beating the Bengals. They beat the Rams again this year. Uh, this year's version of the Green Bay Packers was one that could beat anyone, uh, play with anyone. They beat Dallas. They played with Philly in Philly. And it could literally lose to anyone in the way that they lost to Detroit twice. And um, I think from a cap perspective, from a team-building perspective, from a number of perspectives, it just became so unlikely that out of 32 teams, they were going to be the one on the podium at the end this year. And and if that was going to be the case, well, then let's see what we have in Jordan Love. I, I personally just because it has gone on so long. I have a, I have a higher opinion of Brian Gutekunst, especially after last year's draft class than, than you do, Jacob. Um, I think he's better than fine. I don't think, you know, I, I, I would guess, in my opinion, he's one of the top 25% of GMs in the league. That's me. I think he's a top eight-ish GM in the league. Um, so I, I would let him survive Jordan Love not being good. Uh, and then I would give him a chance to pick one more quarterback and go from, you know, go from there. If the Jordan Love thing doesn't work out, I would not fire everyone, but they might. I mean, they, they very well might. I, I actually do very much believe in Goody and LaFleur, but you guys might be right. They, they might not be able to survive this not going well. It does depend on like what it looks like, right? Because like if they're three and fourteen and in position to pick Caleb, and granted this is like worst case scenario, but if they go three and fourteen and it's bad, and the Packer or the the Jets are good, and you know say the Jets have a two thousand nine Viking season while the Packers are going three and fourteen, at that point the optics might be so bad to the point that yes, yeah, somebody else is picking Caleb Williams and somebody else is coaching. Caleb Williams, just because again, you go three and 14, there's not a lot of good reasons to say like, you know, if, if the starting quarterback gets injured and you're playing Danny Etling for an entire season, then, you know, that that's at least somewhat understandable as to why that might happen. But yeah, I don't know. I, I it'll be interesting to see how, you know, what does Jordan love failing mean? Cause Morley, I mean, even as love's biggest fan, you've said Turn his the ball over. that's what I would say. Turning the ball over. Like, if Watson looks good and Dubs looks good and whoever they take in the draft looks good and the defense is improved and Love just turns the ball over left and right and they go one and eight in one score games. And yeah, it is their fault. They drafted Jordan Love. But I think there is definitely a case where he'd go, okay, this is a pretty good roster. But this guy just isn't it. There's too much YOLO ball. Right. We, we have to try again. That would be my case. And I, which by the way, I think is like, a 30th percentile outcome for this kid. Like, oh I, yeah, absolutely. I do, I do think that this could happen. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely a stage where we get to, like you said, there's an idea that, and, and he's going to turn the ball over more than Aaron Rodgers. Every quarterback ever everybody has, everybody has done that. Yeah. Uh, so that's not going to be that surprising when that happens. It's just a matter of, is he you know, bad season? Matthew Stafford, is he bad season? Like, Brett Favre, which I mean, I don't think love's not going to be able to throw 30 interceptions in a season because he'll get benched before that happens, but that's just kind of the way that's going to, so I'll be interested to see how that goes. Um, and we got a long way to go from there. One thing I could tell you about Brian Gutekunst, if nothing else, (laughs) the tweet that I just sent out, I can't say on a podcast, but like he is not shy. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I think any, criticism that has been had over the last couple years of him kind of bending to the will of Aaron Rodgers and being spineless 
I don't think is a, I don't really ever think that's been a fair criticism because again, who is trading the reigning back-to-back league MVP? It's never, nobody's ever traded the reigning league MVP just one time. So that was never going to happen. Bringing back Randall Cobb at Rogers' behest, that's an opportunity cost you 10 times out of 10. I still stand by that. But he certainly has, again, some to pick Jordan Love, number one, took guts like we talked about. And now to kind of go to a sort of war with Aaron Rodgers and publicly push back on him, which he's done before, uh, to look in the camera and say, we are not trading Aaron Rodgers. Again, maybe Gutekunst will get fired one day because Jordan Love wasn't it, and we'll all look back and say, like, this is the dude that cost the Packers a chance to win a championship in the later years, blah, 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 blah. But he's not gutless. I don't think there's any argument to be had for that. Um, so let's get to – Morley, do you want any, do you want to say anything else on this topic before – Can I go on one very small mini rant that is kind of off topic? But – and I don't even have anything personal against this guy – the crowning of Trey Wingo bothered me because he was like, this thing's done. Yeah. I think this that's... thing's super not done. And everyone was just like, Oh, Trey's a genius. It's like <laughs> it absolutely isn't done. No, I, I do wonder, like, done. I wonder if well, he, like editorialized, like Rogers made his decision. He wanted to go to the jets and Trey said it was done, but that I, was, yeah, here, I here's, Rogers, here's, here's, go ahead. Here's the thing. I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Russ. But I do wonder how much Rodgers going on McAfee changed the it's done thing. Because Rodgers going on McAfee and saying, I want to play for the Jets is the the big L word. And I do not, I will not, I mean, I cannot wait for a decade from now. Yeah, but in order for that to happen, don't you think the Jets would say, we thought we had a deal and now the Packers are negotiating it? Like, wouldn't that put pressure on Green Bay? If Like, Joe Douglas yeah. could have easily done that today. And he didn't. Yeah. I don't th- I think <laughs> yeah. the problem that we've run it, I do. I think the problem that the Jets did was they didn't have compensation agreed upon when they went and talked to that guy. And I think Gutekunst yeah, took true, a calculated... True. We'll yeah. see. I mean, we don't know. But yeah, the Wingo thing is interesting. I do think it was just, I think no, that's his report point. was yeah. that Rogers just said he wanted to be a Jet, but I don't know. Morley, any other final thoughts? I want to ask you guys an actual draft question before we go on our merry way. No, just, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Like I've said it, like people have painted Goody to be from some bumbling doofus that is an idiot that are we sure he's good at his job as the frat boy said on his podcast, but you know, yeah, he's good at his job. Careful, like, he's he, going to he block is. you now. He's going to name search and call out this podcast tomorrow. Not that yeah, I don't I hope so. Give us some publicity. <laughs> Tweet it. That'd be great. Uh, I but, bet. No. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. Like, oh, no. Like, I mean, Goody is not someone I've taught. Like, he, he stood his ground against Aaron Rodgers when he wanted to be traded and just basically said no. Like, the public pressure that was all on him. Because if we don't remember and if we can't go back to that time before all of this, that was still when, like, the media was very pro Aaron Rodgers. Like, how dare you treat this guy like this? How dare you? And now all this other stuff has come out where it's like, that's why they treated him like that. He is a complicated fella. He is the problem, even though he was asked not to be the problem. So, all of this stuff has kind of come to light. So good for Brian. Um, and, I, you know, 
I hope it works out for him because if it works out for him, it works out for us. So we shall see. That it, that it does. So guys, I got one last question for you and it was a topic of conversation that I had over the weekend. And I've been, I've been telling people on my Twitter feed to just say what you mean, mean what you say. And the, the conversation has come around quote, invest in offense. And my take on that is when, well, here's my thing, Morley, when people say that, I think a vast majority of them are meaning pick a pass catcher in the first round. I think that is what they mean. So my question to you guys as we get through this is I think I can't remember the mock draft. I think it was like Green Bay gets 42 and 43, just for example, for Aaron Rodgers. And they take an edge or an offensive tackle in the first round. One of those two things. And then they picked, uh, I think it was like Rasheed Rice, Dalton Kincaid, and another tight end in like the third round or something like that. But basically three pass catchers after that. My question was, is that investing in offense? And somebody was like, no, we need the premier playmaker. So they got to take this dude in the first round or whatever. So my my other kind of pushback on that was, you know, last year, in my opinion, Green Bay invested in offense, quote unquote. Yes, I know. both, And I say that knowing both of their first round picks were defensive players. I know that. However, their next four picks were offensive players. Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom. That's investing. So four of their six premier picks were offensive players. That's investing in offense. In my opinion, two of them were pass catchers. Like they invested in offense last year from what I can tell. So my question to you, Morley, as the champion of the score 100 agenda, can green Bay quote invest in offense and not pick an offensive player or not pick a skill player? So can they invest in offense and pick Paris Johnson? At 15, can they invest in offense and pick Nolan Smith at 15? Or does it mean it has to be Jackson Smith and Jigba or Quentin Johnston or whatever? No, I I think, I think history tells us no. And if, if you are going to invest in offense early, it's probably wise to take a Paris Johnson at 13 or 15, wherever you're picking in the first round, because those guys are more rare than the receivers. So if you want to tell me like, if if the pick was let's say they get let's say they get 13 and 15 let's say they take Paris Johnson at 13 Peter Skoronsky at 15 and Dalton Kincaid or one of the tight ends at 45 like none of those are premium you know outside receivers high flyers that you would typically say Wow, like that's investing in offense. But what you just did is potentially gave your young quarterback one of the best offensive lines in football because the Packers are already probably top 10. And you just added two premium picks to that group. And then you gave him a, you know, hopefully a tight end that is going to be a safety blanket for him. So when I, when you talk about invest in offense and score 100, there are different ways to do that. Um, now, let's say they take Nolan Smith at 15 and then uh, at 13, take another, you know, take another defender at 15 and then take a safety at 45. Like, ah, well, now, that yeah, that's, that wouldn't that's, be that wouldn't be part of the score 100 agenda. But no, that's uh, a but, different conversation. But what I'm saying is, can you use the first round pick? Say you only have one. Can you use one for or even even if they have two and it's edge and offensive line, which I think is a very 
plausible scenario is can you quote invest in offense without picking a pass catcher? Because again, what I think people mean and not you specifically on this, but what I think people mean when they say score 100, invest in offense, whatever, it means pick a pass catcher. I think that's 100% what it means because even with Green Bay's you know discussion of not picking offensive players, the last time they did, and it wasn't a quarterback, it was an offensive tackle. And they did that in back-to-back seasons with Brian Balaga and Derek Sherrod. To me, again, you can, like you said, if they took Paris Johnson and Peter Skaronsky, to me, that's also investing in offense. Now, I don't think they'll do that if they had two first-round picks. But if they did, plug in Skaronsky at guard, Paris Johnson is a tackle, and bam, away they go. Like, and Johnson could play left tackle next year. He could play right tackle. You know, there's a lot of different things they could do. But essentially, the point I'm getting at is that, yes, they can invest in offense, in my opinion, without using that pick, that first-round pick, on an offensive player. Ross, you've been kicking around waiting a little bit here. So that's my question is, can you invest in offense? Well, number one, do you think the Packers did that last year? Because we had talked about, you know, their two first round picks were defensive players, but their next four, so four of their six picks of significance were offensive players. So is that the kind of draft they could put together this year and have you say, I think they gave more attention to the offense than the defense, essentially? Uh, and then the follow up to that is, can you invest in offense? Do you think that pretty much means people are saying, pick a pass catcher? And in this case, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Well, I mean, I would give my, my world for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, I just. I think he's that good. I think he makes that much sense with Watson long-term. You want to create what the Bengals have created with Joe Burrow, with Jordan Love? That's that's your guy. Um, But outside of specific prospects, right, just from a team-building standpoint, yeah, I get it. I would not double up on offensive line. In round one, I think that's really extreme um, just because – I think both Zach Tom and John Runyon are starters in this league. Uh, so no matter what you think of Myers and Bakhtiari long-term, you, you still have enough bodies. And I'm also not honestly ready to just completely write off Sean Ryan. I know most people probably are, but um, I, I'm I'm okay adding a, a Skaronsky especially. I think that would be great, um, you know, long-term – if Runyon doesn't work out, I think I think he could be a ten-year All-Pro at right guard. I do, uh, and I think I would take that at fifteen overall over and over. Um, but man, if it's fifteen, forty-two, forty-three, and forty-five, and you come out of that, and I'm not even saying I necessarily ascribe to score one hundred, but it's it's not even close that your best coach on the staff is your offensive coach. And your de facto offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur. Um, my opinion, I mean, I think he runs laps around Barry. Oh, I don't think that's a matter of a opinion. So, like, so if it was me, like I would not, I would stop giving all the resources to Barry. Um, if it was me. Uh, so that's my question is then, so if it's, say it's 15, 42, 43, 45, if I give you, if I tell you with those picks, they took Nolan Smith at 15 and then, two pass catchers and an offensive lineman at 42, 43, 45. Is that? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. 
that's because that's kind of what they did, not to the same degree because it was lower resources. Obviously, two first round picks on defense. I understand that. But Watson, Ryan, Tom, Dobbs from there. Yeah. It was all of day two and early day three picks that mattered were offensive players. So I think they started potentially shifting that towards that. And I think that, I mean, if as I sit here on, you know, it's one month till draft day as we sit here right now, I don't know how many picks Green Bay is going to have, but I still would be willing to bet that their first pick is going to be someone on the line of scrimmage, whether it's that's a defensive player or an offensive lineman. Now that, I mean, that's a guess, nothing more than that, but it just seems to make sense. That's what's going to happen. So that was really the question I had, though, is can they do the invest in offense, score 100, blah, 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 without using that first-round pick on a skill player? Because I think at the end of the day, when people are saying that to me, and again, not morally specifically, but that's what they're saying, is draft, again, Smith and Jigba or insert receiver here, uh, cause I don't, I don't think a lot of people are going to be overly upset if they don't draft a tight end in the first round, just cause I think we've been sold on the depth of this class and talked about all that stuff, but that's it there. Any, any final thoughts real quick, Morley, before we wrap last thought, how objectively hilarious would it be though? If the Packers one year mm-hmm. removed one off season removed from moving on from Aaron Rodgers, pick two pass catchers in the first round. Um, the hilarity is certainly there. Uh, I think that. Yeah, the, the hilarity would be there. I would look forward to the turning of Aaron Rodgers into a martyr type thing again. But I mean, I don't. We don't need to rehash all that stuff. I mean, that's it's funny, but yeah, that's it's just going to be. Yeah, you get you went too deep. You went too deep on that. I just asked you how funny. I, it yeah, I also think it might be prudent, honestly. If even if Love's not the guy, right? Um, Let's say it is Kincaid and JSN, and you have Watson and Dubs, and Love ends up stinking out loud. Pretty sick setup for Drake May or Caleb Williams. Right. Yeah, and honestly, and if Love is good, it's a sick setup for For him him, because then they can kind of grow together the way Rodgers did with with all those guys once upon a time. So that's going to do it for this edition of this version of the Pack-A-Day podcast. That was the same thing twice. Check us out at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley. You can follow Ross. He's at Ross Uglum. You can follow me at Jacob Bustador. Find yourself one of those Green Bay draft guides. Uh, get yourself going on that. 225 profiles. Appreciate you guys listening. We will be back together after the draft. Until then, Morley and Uglum are together for the foreseeable future. Meanwhile, I will be with Owen Reese and Brendan Rupp. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.